Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, roles, high fits, compassion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal, glory, relentless training, pain, pain. (laughs) Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another banging episode of The Row Show. And when we say banging, we are talking to the best in the world today. And it's really, really awesome to to bring you this episode. We are so excited to record it, and now we bring it straight to you guys. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton. And it is Jake Green. And today we are talking to Grace Prentergast and Kerry Gowler from New Zealand. Obviously, the gold medal winners in the women's pair and the silver medal winners in the women's eight. And just... Uh, just a note for the listeners out there. This is actually the second time we're speaking to Grace and Kerry. So if you haven't heard the first episode and you're more interested to find out about, you know, the whole of their rowing career, especially the beginning and those earlier years, then I would suggest you go listen to that um, episode. Here in this one, we're talking all Olympic games, rowing in the pair, rowing in the eight, the, the training for COVID, a bit of 2019, um, and just actually a, a good discussion, a conversation about... Um, Everything's that happened in the you know the last couple of months. Yeah, it was so cool because I mean, basically, we have an origin story, uh, part one, Kerry and Grace, recorded in 2018, and just incredible. They like rise into uh, that uh, the top with pair and and you know becoming really really huge contenders uh, on the women's circuit, and then this time is just the absolute king. You know, like they would just have become the best. Um, Osman at Tokyo. No, for sure. I think uh, we'll be uh, excited to listen to the listeners and see what they, they think of it. But, you know, with I think with them doubling up and winning in two, um, you know, two events, you know, no one's done that um, at this Olympics. And, they, you know, for them to get that right is, is incredible. And it's actually a big part of the show. It's just talking about, like, understanding the risk of getting that done and how difficult it is. You know, that was such a cool thing to listen to because we haven't had anyone, we've had people that have doubled up and no one that's done it to this degree and this successfully. Yeah, and at the games. So, I mean, just in general, it was so awesome. And, you know, they, they're such uh, humble ladies and just kind of really enjoy the sport. That's, I think, how I would put it. Just They just love rowing. Um, <laughs> they're really good at it. they constantly winning. And, you know, they had such good racing it's not like uh, you know when we when we chat to Eric or someone who just dominated. These girls have dominated, but they've had to no, work. It's been a you tough, know, it's been tight, tight races. Tight, Often yeah. they 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 coming that in that second place and having to to rethink and and really work out ways of of getting back on top. So really, really interesting, awesome, and oh man, they were just on top of the world. No, definitely. Um, so enjoy enjoy the show. A bit of housekeeping. The Patreons, you guys are the best. Thanks so much for the support that you give the show. It really helps us continue making the podcast and you know keep uh, pushing our our boundaries and, and getting us to get better. You guys are fantastic. You know everyone else. Obviously, you you're also fantastic. I mean, growing the show on Instagram and, and getting Jake. Don't just rush through, dude. This is the this I, is the important part of here? this is the important part of the show. You know, this is the part where we kind of call on people to you know really <laughs> help us out. You know, help us grow. Get the show out to more people, you know. 
probably people are just probably skipping through this section. I'm sure. Yeah. Skipping through, you know, ten seconds at a time. Wait till we've done uh, our housekeeping and uh, and get on with the show. But yeah, uh, just a huge uh, shout out to to everyone for for listening and and yeah, thanks for the support and really do share the show. It really does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Seeing those numbers going up, you know, that gives us more opportunities. And if you really want more rowing and more rowing nerdery, come over to to Patreon where the cream of the crop is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we really get stuck into to the real technical stuff. And uh, it's really exciting, that side. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Enjoy the episode. Sweet. Ciao. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another epic interview of The Row Show. And today we are joined by double Olympic medalist, Olympic gold medalist in the women's pair, and Olympic silver medalist in the women's eight. And, you know, that can only be one combination, and that's Kerry Gala and Grace Prentergast. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. It's awesome to have you back on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited. No, for sure. And I think just straight off straight off the bat, just, you know, tell us, you know, what what is it like, you know, coming back with not one but two Olympic medals? I mean, that's phenomenal. And it's been a while since we've seen um you know especially on the women's side i remember back you know in romania with you know uh athletes like elizabeth lipa she used to double up all the time so it's awesome to see you know you guys almost in a way carrying on that legacy deciding to double up in the eight again and and the women's spare it seems like a classic you know a classic thing to do for the top crew so i mean it must be an amazing experience to double up and come home with uh um success in both events yeah, it's been a bit of a like a whirlwind since we finished. Um, I guess it's been a bit unique that we had to come home and isolate in a hotel for two weeks. So obviously that gave us some like downtime and we were sort of like really excited to get out and celebrate. And then we probably had about 24 hours of freedom and then New Zealand's gone into lockdown again. So it's it's, it's actually like the universe doesn't want to let us celebrate. <laughs> but yeah, obviously still amazing, but I think it just hasn't really like set in. Um, it still feels a bit surreal, to be honest. Sure. I can't believe it. Uh, watching you guys win uh, the two medals is just was unbelievable. It was so cool. But I think let's first go into the women's pair, into that race, uh, you know, making it into the final. You know, how, how was it uh, coming down the track um, in the women's pairs race? Yeah, I guess, I guess we, um, we actually had a really good race and um, – and felt really good the whole way. It wasn't actually until sort of afterwards that people were like, man, that was so stressful and so close. But like, I think because we were feeling so good, we um, like the whole way we felt quite confident and were just like on our pace. So, so yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun race for us, I think, which um, yeah, I don't know whether that's a bit weird for it to be a fun race, but no, I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, obviously to, to win and we've been working towards that for five years is incredible for us and just um yeah we were just so excited Mm. and you know it's 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 interesting because you know you guys have definitely been uh um on paper you know the the favorites at least to win the regatta but it hasn't been a straightforward road you you know you've you've been such a dominant crew and i think you know obviously the ability shows in in the fact that you doubled up but I mean, the, the competition, especially that's the competition from, from the Canada, the Canadian women's pair and the Australian women's pair has definitely made it a tough road. Um, you know, I remember 20, 2018 World Champs, you guys 
uh, came second. I think at a World Cup in 2019 too, it was, uh, you also just lost out. And then I remember that 2019 final in the women's pair. For me, it was like watching the last couple rounds of a boxing match. I could just see the brutality of just trying to get to the finish line. It looks insane. So, I mean, it's been it's been quite a tough a tough road for you guys, and you know the the other crews have definitely not made it easy. Yeah, it has been, and I think that's what I've loved almost about the women's pair event. I feel like every year there's a new crew or a new few crews that sort of come into it wanting, like coming and wanting to win it, um, which mm. I really like because obviously I feel like we've probably done like consistently well, but it's never been a field that you can just look at and be like, this crew is going to win, um, which just makes it for more exciting racing. And I think that was the same, like leading into the Olympics, we're like, well, you can't really roll any, any crew out, especially because like 2019 was so, so long ago and you just don't know how people have trained for the last two years. But I think it's just even more satisfying getting to win in a field that I'm like, I respect everyone and everyone was really good and it just yeah it makes it even more like special in the end and i mean it's so spot on and we've been saying it on the on the show for a while that the women's rowing this olympic uh, cycle has been phenomenal and i mean the addition of the women's four the the competition throughout the events has just been absolutely brutal and i think it was one of the best parts about rowing oh, at the, the olympic women's double as well savage. yeah <laughs> just the you know rowing at the olympics was it, it, I mean, it was just so awesome. You could literally rock up on any day, watch any race, and it was going to provide like huge quality uh, to the viewer. So I think that was a huge plus to to World Rowing Forward for doing that. And then, yeah, I mean, you you guys have had some serious uh, races down the down the track. And uh, talking about that, we're going to go into the the world records and stuff because the semi final mm-hmm. so fast, and you guys lost your your world record in the in the women's pair for about 10 minutes there and uh, <laughs> took it right back <laughs> and then managed to take it back so you know and and i think the the semi-finals were a brutal day you know the, the conditions were really fast really tricky really quick and a lot of mistakes were, were getting made how how was it racing down the track on on semi-final day when it was that fast and uh and you know there was there were so many upsets yeah i think it was um pretty nerve-wracking like we were all sitting there I think it was Kerry and I and the men's eight in our little like warm-up room watching all the races come down before we started warming up and like the amount of crabs that were being caught and then there was a double that flipped a lightweight double that flipped um it was like it did make us a bit nervous but I think in watching all that we're like god we need to go out there and like focus on our own race not about getting the time you can't think any further ahead than the stroke you're on because there were just so many mistakes happening out there um so it was a bit nerve-wracking but I think we roll in quite rough water so I think that gave us a bit of confidence leading into it Mm. and Kerry what did you I mean did you Kerry did you know that you might guys must have not known about the the Greek women's pair setting the record just before you no I feel like we to be honest, we, we knew that it was obviously really quick water if you handled it right. And so we knew um, the other heats had some really good crews in it. So, like, in my mind, I was like, they will probably go really fast. But I also knew that if we sort of focused on that, we wouldn't. So 
again, me, Grace and I were sort of like, okay, well, anything could happen, you know, like we've just got to make sure, first of all, I was like, we've, I've got to make sure I keep us in our lane um, <laughs> and and not in the boy line and yeah, and just focusing on like we, like we sort of know, we're like, we can go fast if we just focus on what we're doing. So yeah, like I'm pretty stoked that we're able to do that and take the time back. No, for sure. And I think that just talking about the, the conditions of the course, it was quite an interesting course to run because, I mean, the conditions, like, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was massive changes, but it was, there was certain subtle things that changed on the racetrack, you know, going, going down the course. I, I remember at the start line, there was like, you wouldn't be able to see it so well on TV, but if you looked across, there was quite a, quite a big swell coming, uh, you know, coming up and down. Um, not was quite gentle and then you know you go you start the track there's a bit of a you know a bit of a crosswind and it blows straight and a bit of a crosswind again so was that a bit of a challenge steering on that course and just managing that yeah I found that quite daunting sitting in the starting blocks and like before the starting gates had come up you were like I like I was just constantly tapping to to keep us straight and I was sort of like what's gonna happen like as soon as those starting um gates go down and like I was like are we just gonna get pushed into the boys so like luckily we kind of managed to never really be in the boy line but you can see from watching some races back like people were getting pushed on Mm. and I found that like even in training like coming out of the bridge often you got pushed over and so it was quite difficult and I was quite nervous about it but again I feel like um we often race in quite a sidewind at Carapero so I think we're quite used to um yeah like doing a whole race being pushed one way or the other but yeah so I got I've got pretty used to steering in those conditions I think Mm. and then I mean again you you guys doubling up and I mean you've doubled up a lot uh throughout your your careers and uh and uh, throughout the cycle and how how was the 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 double up I mean how much do you think that affected you guys I really like the way the eight kind of is structured so you can get the the heat out the way and then focus on the pair and then go back to to the eight at the end, but I mean, with the changes in days, and you know, if you'd gone into the rep, I mean, that would have caused um, a little bit of of trauma. So how yeah, how was that, and like how much how I mean, can you even plan for for that kind of uh, change and and uh, into the eight? Yeah, I mean, when when obviously two days were called off, and then the new schedule came out, and like our peer heat, oh, our peer semi final, I think was ten minutes before our eight refer charge. It definitely um, made our hearts go a little bit. I think we hoped that if we were in the rep, it wouldn't have been like that. But I mean, before our eight heat, and even that was changed. Like we ended up having to race that on the same day as the peer heat, which wasn't the initial um schedule yeah but um we we never went into it being like we have to win this at all costs because I think we we knew putting that sort of pressure on ourselves probably wasn't gonna gonna just make us too like outcome focused and then we'll probably not not come away with the win and obviously we only won I think was about 0.3 of a second so it was it was a good point through of a second not to have to do another race um (laughs) but I think we just knew that it was going to be up and down the whole week like before we got to Tokyo everyone would just talk about how rough it was and surprisingly the days that were called off probably weren't as rough as we thought um but I think in the end doing more races doesn't make us nervous but yeah the scheduling gave us a little bit of a fright in the middle which yeah one of the 
one of the questions that we had on on our our group and with our with our listeners they were there was it was really interesting to we want to know if they like if the coaches or your like federation has any say in the schedule like would they if you guys were in the the rep could they have moved it into a way or do you guys just have no control and uh just pray to the the rowing gods to to look after you i feel like we don't actually know like we like everyone in our team and our coaches and everyone sort of thought like was kind of like oh lucky we're not in that because I don't actually yeah we have no idea how that works we just hope to think that like they would have maybe looked at that and thought that's not actually possible or whether we could have asked asked them to change it I'm not sure but yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that's quite stressful yeah no it is <laughs> I, I can't imagine how stressful that must be um, but while we're talking about the, the doubling up, I do want to kind of like, you know, take it back a little bit and just have a, you know, have a bit about a, a discussion of how how did the de- decision making process look like of you guys? I mean, you doubled up in 2019, but then, you know, this is the Olympics now. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, the pressure's on to get it right. And, you know, obviously you're taking a big risk. Um, even, even if you guys were quite dominant in the pair, you're still taking a big risk going into the eight. And doubling up in two events um so it's, talk to us a bit about that you know decision making process um and how how did how did the you know how did it come to the to the fact that you guys did end up going to the games um for two boats yeah it was quite a long decision making process um i think in 2019 the plan was to double up so we could qualify the women's eight and then it was sort of like this is only for this year and it won't be any longer um and then obviously the eight ended up really clicking and gelling together and we ended up winning. So I think that sort of threw a bit of a spanner in the works that um, we didn't just qualify and it actually ended up being a boat that had a real medal possibility at Tokyo. Um, so I think initially we were probably a bit tentative um, because it is that toss up. Are you going to try and do two boats and come away with two fourths um, and just things like the scheduling that you can't predict and then I think we had a lot of discussions and it took a long long time but I I guess what we fell onto to make our decision was that we just decided why not give it a go um rather than being a bit scared and kind of nervous about what would happen but it would like the eight was such a cool boat and such a good bunch of girls and it's so hard to get eight girls come through a system at the same time that you really enjoy rowing with and you think are really good mm. um so it was sort of an opportunity that in the end we probably couldn't pass up. And um, again, we just probably trusted all our support staff and they sort of gave us the information thinking, saying that if we recover properly, we'll be fine. Like no boat should be affected, um, which was probably enough confidence for us to then commit. But it was, yeah, it took, it took a few meetings and a few discussions to get mm. to the um, final decision. I'm sure. Yeah, and... Kerry, what was it like getting a chance to, you know, race with your sister at the um, at the Olympic Games and, and come away with a medal? I'm sure that must have been really special to, to, you know, to get a chance. I'm sure you must have been quite tentative, but then, like, oh, if this pays <laughs> off, then, you know, I get get to the Games and racing my sister and, you know, we, we get an Olympic medal, which, so that must have been an awesome experience. Yeah, it is really cool. And I know that, like, my family, like, loves it. I guess it's quite rare to have... Um, two sisters in a boat together so 
it was it was really cool it's it's quite funny because I feel like rowing with your sister brings a whole different dynamic like I totally lose my filter and (laughs) and how I talk to her in training and stuff but um it's yeah it was it is really cool and and I think I I think it's probably only in the future that I'll appreciate it even more that 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 sort of happened and we got the opportunity to do that yeah no for sure um I mean, Lawrence knows enough about, you know, rowing with uh, brothers in the boat. It's not, yeah. not the easiest thing to do. I haven't raced at the, the games with any of my brothers. I have three brothers when we all rowing, uh, all row at some point of uh, our lives. And we once rowed a four together in a big race in South Africa. And that was fiery. The crew was everyone. There's, there's no filter. There's four of you. You, you don't want to, you don't hold back at all when it's uh, siblings. So it was, there were some really uh, hot days on the, on the water where it, uh, tempers were, were up but i mean it was awesome to to race with them it definitely brings that when you in the hard part of the race or you you know you're in the the thick of it that's when you kind of get the benefit of of having kind of left nothing on the table so mm. i think it's uh definitely yeah. and i mean we see a lot of siblings in row yeah, together it's ridiculous now i mean the Taylor brothers from france mm. the Sinkovich brothers yeah. uh, it's a lot it's a lot out there so I mean, it's we're talking about the doubling up, and it's hard to to talk about your double up uh, comp, uh, without mentioning the the Australians because you guys had this humdinger race in uh, 2019 against them, where they led you most of the way down the track, and then um, and then they obviously chose the four because that was uh, their best option, and then they managed to to win in the four, and then their scheduling really really hurt them to 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 miss out in the in the semi into that. So. Yeah, I mean, did that affect you guys, your mental game into the into the final at all? Or I mean, obviously, you just focused on uh, on your racing. I think it's interesting. Um, like I think obviously I would have loved to have raced them. We we obviously didn't come across them in the heat or the semi, but I think um, I think that was sort of showed how how intense the Olympics was. That um, I think usually in the women's pier, like the field can be can be more spread out and you can sort of um, maybe make it through, you know, that like they might've made it through straight after a race and in any other year. But I think it was so tight this year and there was um, mm. everyone was throwing everything they had at it that it sort of just meant there was no, no chance to just sort of get by. Um, but yeah, again, I like, I would have loved to have come across them in the, um, in the final, but I guess, it just shows that Olympic racing, like you've got to be on your game in every race, and yeah, I'm a bit gutted for them, but yeah, <laughs> it is it is racing, and I mean at the at the, and everyone's like, oh no, we need a we need a rematch to see what's what's happening, and I, and then I'll just say back, well, you guys are Olympic champions in the in the women's pair and the women's pair world record holders. You hold the women's four world record as well, which they didn't manage to beat. And then uh, silver medals in the eight and the eight. So I think it's a uh, it's pretty definitive. Yeah, uh, the work you guys uh, did there definitely held it up. And the other crew that we maybe need to chat about is uh, in the future. I think we're definitely going to see a little more of the the Greek uh, women's women's pair, yeah. the Greek girls, because so young. And then when they managed to take your record for for ten minutes, they actually held all three. They held the junior and the under twenty three and the the senior women's pair record. So that was pretty impressive. I thought that was quite a cool statistic to to see. Yeah, they were really impressive. Um, and I think especially being so young, they they were the ones that actually broke our under-23 world record um, a year or so ago, whatever world champs that was. Um, but 
but I think yeah they'll definitely one be ones to watch in the future being so young and they just sort of the way they race just looks like they don't really have any like fear of any other competition which is quite cool it's they don't get like yeah nervous about who they're racing so I think a few more years and they'll be they'll be um definitely appear to watch at the next Olympics and, and then Grace you look at the numbers down the track they rode a 137 last 500 in that race and I mean that must be one of the fastest 500s in, in yeah. any um pairs race yeah I mean if we could just a standalone 500 at 137 I'd be stoked with so to do it at the end of the race um I don't I don't the change of speed is very impressive <laughs> like I yeah I don't know how they did it it's very yeah very fast no that that is very impressive and you know we were talking about like how the standard of the the women's pace come up because because you know you know the last couple of years is definitely the the continental um teams the continental women's pairs have definitely been like a, a cut above the european uh european te- uh, teams i remember 2019 i think the spanish pair was probably the the fastest uh, european contingent and then now this year it was crazy it felt like the world caught up to you know you you guys that were you know setting the pace um so i mean i, th- I think that's really awesome to see you know at like a, an event like that um who we were talking about it the other day where like we we thought the event caught up yeah i mean but in a lot of the a lot of the events we felt like it had bunched up yeah no, for sure so i mean yeah i mean what did you i mean did you guys get a sense that you know we've been talking a lot about it did you guys get a sense that a lot of a lot of the crews around the world you know got better yeah definitely i feel like i feel like we sort of had talked about that because we hadn't raced internationally in so long and i think it was almost just really exciting to um for that to have actually happened I think even in the women's eight from first to six was like five seconds or something crazy mm. like crazy. and I think it's just like it makes the racing so good and it makes like everyone have to sort of be at the top of their game and it is like it is obviously really nerve-wracking going into a race where, you, where you're sort of like I could I could win or lose but I think it definitely brings out the best in you. And I like, I think that was maybe shown in the amount of like best times and um, yeah, just the caliber of racing was so good because everyone was so competitive. And then, I mean, we chatted to, to Michael break uh, earlier and, you know, he was talking about how New Zealand had really taken advantage of COVID. Cause I mean, it's obviously it's part of sport. It's, you know, you had that extra year and it was, yeah, uh, New Zealand, First of all, the country dealt with it really well, but then you guys managed to to really make account. You, I would say, like Australia and New Zealand, really came uh, firing at uh, at Tokyo. And tell us a bit about the the extra year, how that affected you guys. You know, having the games postponed, and you know what the training looked like uh, in twenty twenty. Yeah, it was. We probably were in a lot different situation compared to the rest of the world. Um, like we still had to do a lockdown, which I think ended up being maybe about six weeks. So that was that was pretty tough. Um, but the way we chose to do that was just to train right through that um, and then sort of come out of the lockdown and have a break after that and then do a pretty long year of training up until the new Olympic date. But I think just the way that it works in New Zealand, like I feel like we were so lucky with the crews we had, like the racing we had in the pier all all of our winter or um but leading up into the Olympics was probably like the closest racing we've ever done. Like we'd have six boats line up for a race and 
there would be probably two seconds between all of our times at the finish line. Um, so just I feel like that gave us so much confidence when we were in a race like we were in our peer final that we felt so comfortable sitting next to boats, which sometimes internationally, depending on who goes to each World Cup, um, it can be quite a spread out field, especially maybe in the women's pair. Like there might be, if if not everyone chooses to go, it can be like quite spread out between places. So you don't get used to that really close racing. But I feel like that's just what New Zealand sort of capitalised on in the end, like our kind of competition between the boats. Like sometimes it felt like, the men's eight would get on the water with the sole purpose of trying to beat the women's eight. Um, and I feel like because we weren't having competitive racing anywhere else, like that's what we needed. And then that would make the women's eight determined to beat the men's eight. So it's just the circle of crows pretty much just trying to beat each other, um, which obviously paid off for everyone in the end. <laughs> um, so Kerry, who was the, who was the training boat? I mean, I know Grace speak about the men's aid, but you know, who was the training boat that you guys spend most of the time uh, together, you know, training on the water and doing pieces against? Um, we had, so we had the women's double and Jordan and the men's single. Um, and like up until the last wee bit, like Mahe was still rowing. So we had Mahe, um, so yeah, we we're really lucky to have, have I missed anyone, Grace? We had like quite a good, no, it's okay. yeah, we, we group that like was extremely tough for us to try and hang on to. Like I think most of the time it was Grace and I really like just trying to hang in there. Um, but I think that again, as Grace said, it helped us in the end because we got so used to um, being in a, in races and in training with everyone around us who who are actually faster. So like we, like, you know, we couldn't win a lot of things and um, yeah, it actually helped a lot going to, going to Tokyo and being quite comfortable, even just being a little bit behind in a race or um, mm. yeah, having crews around us. We, yeah, we just got so used to that. I think, yeah. And I, I think for the, the listeners out there, it's, it's crazy if you think about it, it was like, it's a full two years basically from when you guys raced 2019 world champs to you know, 2020 um, Olympic Games. And I'm sure, like, obviously there's an element of, like, it's it's nerve. It's, it's quite, you, I'm sure you were quite nervous, you know, watching the other crews racing in Europe and whatnot. But I'm sure by the time you guys got to the Games, you must have been itching to get a chance to, to race against your um, competition. Yeah, I think that's what the difference was with this Olympics. I feel like normally we do so much racing throughout the international season that you know kind of where you're going to sit is going to be a hard race. These crews are going to be the ones that you'll be the closest with. And that sort of makes you nervous. Whereas by the time we got to Tokyo, I feel like we were just like desperate to get out there and race just so we knew where we sat. And then like we finally got our heats in and then it kept on getting so delayed that we almost got that feeling again, that we just were like itching every time to get out and just sort of, see where everyone is because obviously we were really confident with the training we were doing back in New Zealand but I guess always in the back of your mind you're like are we are we actually off the pace is everyone else actually going faster away because you can't see everyone what everyone else is doing um so it was just yeah I feel like we just were in the desperate to get out there and do some racing mm. and then I mean but you're racing at home I mean, you're literally racing against the best in the world. Your team did uh, did exceptionally well. And, you know, um, it must be amazing to have seen uh, 
Emma Twig get the, the gold oh. there in the women's single. And to see the eight, I mean, we still can't believe that the eight uh, pulled that off because that is just so gutsy and, and wild. And But, I mean, it was just awesome to, to see, you know, Hamish winning and see you guys winning and see Emma uh, finally take that, that win at the game. So, I mean, it must have been such a special time for rowing New Zealand because, I mean, you guys have been good. Your team has got results over the last many Olympics, but I feel like this one is just up a, a, another level. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I feel like Grace and I were in Rio, and we had we had a lot of sort of like our eight was fourth, and we had quite a few people who just sort of missed out. So to then be in Tokyo, and I, our whole team was on such a high, and it was such a cool feeling because I feel. Like we did do a full two years of working really hard and training really hard, even though it was always so unknown and we never knew when we were going to get to race again. So it was actually, it made it that a little bit more special that when we did get to race, everyone, um, like our work had paid off, which was really cool. Mm. And then, you know, let's let's talk a bit about the, the racing and then eight. Um, you know, no doubt that you guys obviously lining up the final with the, the idea of uh, getting a gold medal. Um, but I mean, it was an incredible race to watch, and I think a lot of respect, a lot of you know, uh, hats off to you know the Canadian eight for going out there and taking a win. And one thing I've noticed about, uh, or just a feeling I've gotten from watching these games compared to the others, I just I feel like the performances were so impressive at these games. It almost felt like, you know, if the people that were standing on the podium because of the performance was so good, it like you might not have, you might get gotten a, a bronze or a silver, not gold, but it was. It's still, it was like so special just because of the performances. I'm sure you guys must feel the same way about coming, uh, going and, and getting a silver medal and after racing in, in Rio and just missing out on the podium. So, I mean, that must have been amazing. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like the racing was so intense that obviously, obviously we were going out to try and win it. Um, but, like, it just felt like everything we were trying to do in the race like the Canadians could just hold off. So I think we put in a really good performance and then they were in front of us. So we've got to be happy with that. And then you put it in perspective of the whole race, how close it was. I mean, it's, you could be a couple of seconds slower and out of the medals. So Mm. um, obviously we really wanted to win, but I think because we had a good race and we were happy with that, you've got to be stoked with the silver and, like the Rio was the first time New Zealand has ever had a women's eight at an Olympics. So I feel like at the very next Olympics to come away with a medal is quite a cool thing for like women's rowing in New Zealand. And like sometimes we don't really have the big boats. Um, so to have a men's eight that wins and a women's eight that gets a silver, I feel like it's very new territory for New Zealand and mm. hopefully it can continue on. <laughs> and and your, your thoughts on, on that, Kerry? It must have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, as Grace said, and and our our crew has always said, if we line up and put the best race we can out there and someone else is ahead of us, then, like, good on them. And I think that really came into play. We were sort of, after the race, we were all so happy because we were like, well, we've raced as hard as we can and had a really good race. So, um, like, well done, Canada sort of thing, which is really cool to be able to look at it like that and, and um be so stoked with silver even though we wanted to win um and yeah I think 
we just had such it was such a great group of girls in the eight and even like in our wider squad with um Phoebe and Gidge who rode the eight when we weren't in it as well that um we enjoyed we enjoyed all the training leading leading into it and um and everyone sort of deserved their place so it was really cool to be a part of an eight like that for New Zealand that got a silver medal well I'm sure I'm sure it must be it's it's so special and like how does it how do you guys mentally switch from winning in the pair standing on the podium you got all that press into okay we got a race again we got business and you know how does it get back into into race mode and is or is it really easy um it it, it is it's probably quite different it's more difficult at the olympics i've now learned than it was in like 2019 because i guess in 2019 like we won and we warmed down like we had our medal ceremony warmed down and then we were off and we didn't have to do all the little extras that come along with the olympics like you've got to go to a press conference you've got to you know there's so many other little things that definitely take up quite a bit of the day after the actual race um but I feel like on the flip side of that like when we woke up for the women's eight final like we were just as excited for that and like probably the group of girls I think definitely helped get us through that like they had they were so great the day before like celebrating with us about the pair and they they were so stoked for us which was so nice um and then we wake up the next day and we're so excited that they like we all finally get our opportunity to race in the eights final. So I think it's a long day, but you wake up a little bit tired. But by the time the race is around, you're, you're ready to go again. <laughs> mm. No, I'm sure. And it's, you know, with when it's like those nerves, I think it's, you know, you don't have to do much to just get, you know, back buzzing and, and in that, you know, right, right in the, the game again. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about like, you know, the dynamics of managing the training, the racing of, you know, switching from pair to eight. Um, and I'm sure the, the rowing nodes out there will love the, the technical chats about like, how, how do you manage just with training? Like how, how, how did it work when you guys are training in the pair? And then obviously, you know, the eight has to train as well. And then, you know, you can't, obviously you guys can't do obviously all the sessions all the time and rack up like 400k a week so chat to us a bit about how did you guys manage the training with the pair and the eight and you know how did the switching around affect it was it easy to get into the boat and, and adapt to the, the the ace rhythm because it's a huge change in the feeling and the and the, the rhythm from a pair to the eight yeah i think um i think it was actually quite good like we were able to sit down um at the end of each week with our coach gary and um and look at the program for the next week and sort of just we would all sort of discuss what sessions would suit what boat and what we what boat we wanted to be in for each session and so that worked really well so we were able to like yeah like have enough time in each boat um but as I said before there was two girls that rode in the eight when we weren't in it so that was like the eight was able to just sort of keep going um in all the sessions um but yeah, I think it definitely wasn't like it's almost like for me it feels like a, a really good thing. Like it's nice to like if we're doing a squad session in the pair and then or and then we jump in the eight for the next one, everything seems so much faster and it was really exciting. So I think they sort of complement each other in terms of like keeping training fresh in each boat and um and yeah, you just have different things to work on in both boats. So it sort of keeps like keeps a bit of a challenge and a bit of excitement into all your training weeks. Mm. 
Um, and then Grace, chat to us a bit about like managing the the technical, you know, maybe the finer technical points of, you know, in the pair, it's a slower moving boat. Um, it's an interesting, you know, pairs always an interesting um, boat where you have like two individuals that have like, you know, 100% control of one side and the other person has 100% control of the other side. So it's a very, you know, delicate thing to get right. And it's a bit of a slow moving boat, you know, very long strokes, um, you're building a nice long rhythm and you get in the eight and it's just fast and you have to be so much quicker around, especially around the front and getting the legs on. So chat to us a little bit. Did you guys, did you find a challenge in switching in that up or, you know, how did that, how did that work adapting to the technique of, uh, of the eight? Yeah, I mean, I probably found it more challenging than Kiri. Um, I feel like the way I row is very much like the bow seat of a pier. Um, like I'm probably always a little bit late, um, I'm a bit slow on the legs, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I feel like when I'd get in the eight, I would have to make quite a conscious effort um, to try and fit in a little bit more. But I think um, probably my passion of rowing is quite ingrained that I think we sort of knew as a group um maybe I wouldn't always <laughs> be in time in the eight um <laughs> but I think in that respect as well though the eight probably helped me to get a little bit more like dynamic <laughs> I sound like a very slow rower um <laughs> to, like yeah. help, help with all that whereas I feel like Kerry just being maybe in a stroke seat where you're um, obviously you're driving the pair a little bit more was a bit naturally like quicker on the legs. Um, so could slot into the eight a little bit easier. Um, and that's probably why she made a really good six seat because you can really help with that rhythm. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was, it's quite different, but I think the way we roll in New Zealand and the rest of the girls, um, we have kind of come up through the system in small boats. So our eight probably has, a slight movement that is sort of like small boats which was probably helpful for us um and also they'll spend time training in pairs and fours as well whereas I guess maybe other countries that are just solely in eights right through there like from a young age to they're probably a bit more like dynamic and a bit like um aggressive I guess whereas we still try to row the eight with quite a bit of like finesse and sort of the stuff that you'd use in a small boat in the age but yeah it's it was always a work in progress my eight's rowing <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and Kerry you know I know from jumping in between boats when you like you're steering in one boat and then you don't steer in another boat you like constantly trying to steer the boat that you don't have the the steering foot on was that a did you notice that like all the time getting in the eights and then like you're like trying to take the corner or um or, or get on the rudder yeah I find um I find they are just such different boats in every area like I would often like back on like Carapero I have like the lines I like to take take because yeah. we've spent so long in the pier so I would often like be trying to turn my foot and it's just so different like I feel like we can row for so long and I'll and it our grace is like won't say a lot and we're just silent but you get an eight and you've got a coxswain talking to you the whole time so like it, it is so different um and definitely like each boat sort of makes you yeah appreciate each other like I appreciate how fast how fast the eight is but then I sometimes would be really appreciate getting back in the pier and it's just a lot calmer and quieter and I have more control over the course like <laughs> which sounds ridiculous because obviously Caleb takes a great line but um <laughs> 
<laughs> you definitely get yeah. really used to being in control of those sort of things. And then, uh, and then Grace, because you know Michael Brake spoke about like the change in the eight, and he said basically it took him the whole season to like work out like how hard you have to like I don't know how hard you can row in the in the eight. What did he say? He said like um, you know like it was you're rowing like the rowing in the pairs, very you nurturing the boat a lot, and then in the in the eight is just like aggression and power. And yeah, he said that it really took them a long time to to get that. So I mean, it must be such a challenge jumping uh, between the two constantly and you I know especially the the first k of the race must be completely different in eight you gotta just get your max to the 500 and then we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah. i know it like it, it's so different and honestly when you when i do our first race in an eight it really does catch you off guard like i feel like right from the first stroke i'm like oh my god i can't breathe this is so intense like this is just it's like <laughs> chaos right from the start whereas the pair it's like okay we'll do our start sequence and then we'll push out and then we'll breathe here and then we'll do this at the k and there's just so and then we'll start winding whereas asia's just all go right from the start and it is hard like in a pair i think we can just naturally just you just go to your natural pressure and obviously you can feel each other on each side and it just it's just very easy to slot into and i think you'd think an eight is an easier boat to sort of go for long rows in but it actually takes so much effort to sort of like get it up and running and you've got to be so like onto it that I think if you haven't rode in an eight, you would, yeah, assume it's an easy boat to chew up some Ks, but it's actually sometimes more difficult, which I think, yeah, it's it's a hard boat, but then there's nothing like having like a great race in an eight and it's it's such an incredible feeling. Um yeah, but just chalk and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, because the the pair you like it's especially like a steady uh, row where it's not really intense. It's just like you get in the groove so easily and you just can, the, the miles are, are, can be really, really easy to, to mm. get through. So Kerry, the, regarding the placement of slotting you guys in eight and, and put, getting put in six and five, I do want to know what kind of like the idea was putting you there because, you know, if you look in the, the men's ace, you know, Michael and Tom who were in a similar situation going for the pair, you know, they got slotted in a different spot. So obviously there are things to consider about, you know, the people where you're slotting in and where you go. So, you know, my first part of this question is asking what was the, you know, what was the discussion around where you guys were ending, um, where you were going to end up sitting in the eight? To be honest, I feel like Grace and I have always sort of been in five and six of, we were in five and six in um, Rio as well. But I think, I think to be honest, that we probably could have gone, um, set sort of anywhere in the eight I think it's quite a lot of just us as a combination that sort of maybe helps um helps the rhythm of a boat or adds to but I think I'm definitely really comfortable in six seat and and there's seats where you can really sort of drive the boat but you're not like I guess if you're in um I, I haven't really ever sat in sort of the bow pair or or the stern pair but I think they they just have a different role, whereas we could slot in, and especially with jumping in and out of the eight so often, I think five and six was quite a good place where we didn't have too much of a key role, but also enough that we could, um, that sounds really bad, like people that's in five and six aren't key, aren't key roles, but, but, um, <laughs> but like we sort of could jump in and like not have to dictate what we were doing, but we could try and add to it from those seats. Um, 
but yeah, I don't think there was anything. Yeah, I think it just sort of worked out that way, and I think we were lucky in our eight where I do I do sort of believe that we all could have sat sort of anywhere and we would have been a fast eight. It was it was an eight where everyone individually um, was a really good rower and really good in smaller boats as well. So it was just sort of getting getting to where everyone was comfortable. So I wanted to jump back uh, to 2019 because, you know, a lot of your races, you know, you're getting out, uh, you know, classic uh, Kiwi style, you know, in the pack and then through the, the third 500, just kind of taking it from, from everyone else through the middle of the race. But 2019 in that, uh, in the pair race, it was, you were down most of the way and only in the last like 100, 150 meters are you taking the the lead back. So what is the like mental game down the, the racetrack and, you know, just being under that much pressure, what was it like uh, coming down? And then, you know, when you start to move on the, on when I watched the video, uh, Grace, you definitely say something uh, to Kerry there. So we want to know what you said, if you can remember <laughs> and kind of what, 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 what was that race like? Um, throwing my mind back to a long time ago. I think <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we had raced, in Rotterdam and um came second there and learned so much they feel like that sort of dictated our mindset for how we approached our final in 2019 like in Rotterdam we went out to sort of um almost row someone else's race and it felt like we were chasing the whole time um and it's incredible how hard a race can feel if you have a mindset of chasing even if you're sitting behind another crew and just you're like, I'm comfortable with my speed. Um, this is good. Like we're going well. I feel like the energy you get from that as opposed to sitting behind another crew being like, we've got to go, we've got to go, um, which I think is what we did in Rotterdam. So in 2019, I think we were just, I wouldn't say we were comfortable to sit there. <laughs> I mean, ideally, we would have been ahead or up a little bit more. But um, I think we just knew we'd had to sort of stay in our boat and hope well not hope but hope that the pace that we're setting even if someone wants to sit in front of us was actually tough enough that eventually we would get through and which is what happened but you don't know what's going to happen in someone else's boat um but yeah I think just I don't know what I would have said (laughs) I probably couldn't get out a lot of words um but I think yeah it was just that mindset of actually being confident that we were going really well and if someone can hang on to this then good on them but hopefully not <laughs> yeah i mean because that's what it looked it looks really calm i mean it doesn't look like you guys are, are feeling the pressure i mean you, obviously it's it's hectic in the boat but you feel you look like you're just calm in your groove because that's the only real time that you or that you can see that you look out because you have a look then there's some words said and then just the speed is there and uh, and the pressure is on and then you guys uh, take the front there um what is and Kerry, what was that like? Uh to 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 get the win there must have been I mean that's a that's a huge win, I that feel like for you one. guys. Big one. Yeah, um yeah, definitely. And I think going back to Grace's point, I think we just sort of have a plan before the race and try and stick to that. And honestly I feel like Grace sort of will only really sort of say where we are, um, or if we've moved. And um so she was probably just saying wherever we were on them and then so then I know and yeah um but yeah it was really cool and I think it's actually just really exciting to win really tough races I think there's something really satisfying about winning a tough and a close race um 
that was really exciting because I think earlier on in the cycle we we weren't having races that were like that so um you learn a lot more from a close and really tough race so we yeah we love that is that is that your hardest race it looked like the hardest race probably yeah I'd say yeah I mean it looked like it was a tough <laughs> I watching it I was yo I thought you know, I mean, the Australian pair, I mean, hats off, hats off to them. They had such a good race as well. But, I mean, everyone, I mean, even the Canadian pair, everyone at the end there was just, you could see, you could visually see this, the physical signs of fatigue. It was, you know, just getting through every stroke, trying to get to the finish line. It was, you know, that was a savage race. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so we've, we've chatted to quite a few people from there, from like eight, and we, we've, I mean, you guys did the quick fire questions last time, and there's only one or two that we need to kind of update. update. Um, but do we have another set of quick fire questions for for people in the eight? I started when we chatted to Adam Creek from the the Canadian eight in, in 2008. So, and he had some great answers. So, uh, is that just about the crew? And just maybe tell us your answer each, or and if there's any story involved, you can uh, dig in. So, the first one is who is the strongest person? in the eight? I'd probably have to go Ella Greenslade. <laughs> <laughs> she's very, Jim. like, she can power clean. She's got our record for power clean. What is it? Um, I feel like it's over 90. Yeah. Oh, she's like, I'm nervous for a <laughs> second there. <laughs> that's impressive. That's a 95? Yeah, 95. That's, <laughs> that's very impressive. Um, I can't wait to tell John that. <laughs> it's more than some of the guys in our group. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Kerry, you 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 agree with Grace's uh, choice there? Yeah, I would say Ella. Um, yeah, or uh, Beth Ross, our seven seat. She's very strong as well. But but yeah, like Ella Greenslade in the gym is so impressive. Like she's can yeah, she can do a lot more than me <laughs> and I, think, I think to expand the question somewhat i feel like our listeners would get upset with us if we didn't ask this who was who was the strongest on the ergo in the eight Is beth? beth i would say beth i think she probably oh wow yeah maybe best I, she might have oh actually kerry you're really good <laughs> um, yeah oh, 2k 2k it might be kerry but like if we're going like peak power You'd have to go like Beth or maybe once okay. again, Ella, like their peak power. We do these peak power ergs and I mean, they're insane. Right. <laughs> okay, so got the comprehensive answer there. So so the next one was, uh, who's the funniest person in the crew? Who keeps the, the banter going uh, strong? Oh, this is hard. Everyone's pretty funny in their own right. Um, I think if you want a really funny story, I would go with Lucy Spores. She can tell yeah. a very funny story. Yeah, she would. Yeah, I agree. It's always a good question because um, I always find like uh, in a lot of groups, there's always, you know, there's, there's, there's always a joker in the group that likes to, you know, crack yeah. the jokes. I mean, crack the jokes. And yeah, also in the eight, you need the yeah, you need the yeah, you need you need the you need the banter, you need the jokes in the eight. Otherwise, it's uh, it's too many serious people. Yeah. So the yeah. next question is who who trained the hardest in the crew? 
Um, you can answer it from like just a mindset point of view, getting to every session. So yeah, who was your pick for the hardest uh, working crew member? Oh, this is hard. <laughs> hardest working crew member. It's tough because I feel like we're all we are all quite the box tickers. Like it's um I think we're a crew that gets a lot of confidence from making sure we do everything really well. Um hardest working in the crew. Do you have an answer, Kiri? <laughs> I would say I would say Lucy again. I feel like Lucy is so competitive that she is willing to go to any lengths to win something. So I would almost say Lucy because, like, even after we started doing sort of peak power ergs, I just remember her saying, all right, I've got one week to figure out how to, like, win this. Like, it's <laughs> like in the grand scheme of things, like, it's so irrelevant. But she's, yeah, she's very competitive and works super hard, I'd say. What? What is a peak power erg? Yeah. <laughs> so like a seven stroke max. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a well, new thing we've been trying in the gym. Just I don't just to see if you can improve your sort of change of speed. But you pretty much kind of just maybe do like your two k race pace for about twenty seconds, and then you've got six strokes just to see what split you can hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually, I mean, when you get, when you move into a boat like an eight, things like that start becoming quite relevant, especially after blocks. Because, I mean, going back to talking about it, it is, it is interesting because an eight, it's not easy to shift boat speed in an eight. So as soon as you have a little advantage, that, I mean, every little bit of inch you get is, it's going to be incredibly hard for another crew to take it on later in the race. Whereas like in a pair, a pair can change speed much faster. So you can, it's much easier, you know, if you have a really good, uh, bull to move through another crew so i mean a session like that especially from the blocks you know every inch you get out the blocks is so important so i mean i mean it makes complete sense for to do do a session like that to and learn how to push there so so what's the, like the rough splits that you guys can see <laughs> in that you're asking the wrong people <laughs> we and the scheme of things, no. I'm truly the worst <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like it's the but I feel like Ella can get like low one twenties. Yeah. And like, six. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like like also, I reckon one twenty one or something she can get like very like I feel like that's really low compared to me anyway. No, that's that's really low. And like, but I mean, you guys are comparing yourselves against all these other Olympic uh, medalists, the gold medalists. I mean, the listeners are gonna any numbers. It's just it's gonna be so impressive, you know. No matter what, it uh, it, it maybe for you guys, it's uh, oh, it's it's a little behind the the rest of the group. But you know, just for for even for like a, a schoolboy to go on the over and pull a one twenty is you know, I mean, that is just mm. outrageous uh, power. So it's just incredible to to see what you you can do. Um, the next question, and this is there's 100% there's one person, there's always one person who was always late. Oh, <laughs> oh easy, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> nice. Is, who was that? Oh, Jackie. Jackie. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. did, you, did you get upset with her? Did you like uh, chew her ear um, about rocking up? It did test my patience a lot um probably quite lucky that I wasn't in the eight all the time um 
but yeah, she's quite comfortable with it. You know, she'll t- she'll be the last to turn up every day before we get on the water. And uh, when you chatted to Michael, you said they had that ridiculous thing. I think in twenty sixteen, uh, yeah. where they had uh, if you were late, you had to do an over trial at two K. Oh. Uh, you guys didn't have nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing so barbaric. No. Ours was actually, if, well, this was solely for weights, but if you were late to weights, you had to make a cake. So I feel like ours was a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot better. You get a, a piece of cake uh, the day day after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 everyone. <laughs> yeah. Then... I don't know how this question is going to go because, I mean, we're talking to these, uh, you know, the Canadian men's eight and uh, and the Kiwi men's eight. And, and the question was, if you all had to fight, who would come out on top? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even know how you're going to answer it. <laughs> I'm so interested. I think if we were ranking people, people would probably put me as the loser out of every fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would almost say if I was to fight... The people I wouldn't want to fight would probably be Lucy and Kelsey Bevan. <laughs> uh, so I, th- I feel like you're selling yourself a bit short, yeah. here, Grace. Uh, no, uh, I really am not. <laughs> I, I would say if I had to fight someone, I would fight Grace just because I'm like, she's, she's way too nice. Like, I think it would be Kelsey and Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny wait this is such a good segue because i had another thing because like you know i've rolled so many pairs jake as well and like you know when you especially when you spend a lot of time with someone in the pair there's always like tiny little things that they do that you know would never upset you normally but because you spend so long with them like these little pet things just can get under your skin is there anything that you guys do in the boat you know like on the balance or on uh on anything that like just gets under the the other person's skin <laughs> I feel like ours would probably stem from weight off paddling. <laughs> like just paddling around. It's very hard to get our precious heat when we're like literally doing nothing in the water. But I feel like that would probably be our um, most disagreed upon moments in the boat. <laughs> what precious weight off. <laughs> that is so fantastic because actually we had such a big fight in our for the season because <laughs> we were doing the lights off and then some of us wanted to keep the boat balanced and others like didn't even care we had this huge go at each other about like what what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get right in the, in that rowing it was so funny it's <laughs> yeah. the most uncomfortable time like when you're doing on off pieces i feel like the off can be the most uncomfortable part of a whole session <laughs> yeah oh that's great Fantastic. And then we've just got um, one quick fire question that, you know, we need to, to update. And we also, it's the, it's the, what's your PB on the 2K. So if you guys have, have updated, that would be great to know. And also this time around, we've actually got a ergo ladder where we've put all the guests on oh. just to give you some sort of idea how you rank up against some of uh, your peers and competitors from around the world. So, so- We'll go back on the on the numbers from our last chat. So twenty end of twenty eighteen, uh, Kerry, you were on you were in fifth you're in fifth place on a six thirty six. Oh. Yeah. Just behind uh, Sunita and just ahead of uh, Caroline Lynn from uh, USA. And then Grace, I'm sure yours is gonna be quicker now. Six forty nine. <laughs> 
13th place. Just behind Janine Gemelin oh, yeah. and Janine oh, Stone. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mine hasn't. So, I haven't updated mine. Mine's still 636. Unfortunately. And you're sad. I finally um, got a few seconds better. It took quite a long time. Um, but I think mine's now a 646. So hopefully that bumps me up a slot or two. Oh, it does. You've it taken Janine Gamelin's spot. Yes. Yeah, it puts you up. <laughs> and you're nice. Uh, so you're knocking on the door. You're knocking on uh, Jeffy Stone's door there. Oh, I'm happy with awesome. that. That's a heavy and solid twelfth. It must be now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Except you know, on uh, you know, we can look at all those numbers all day, but none of those athletes have uh, two medals at the games. Yeah, that's that's super impressive. Who's winning so, the table? Oh, oh let's okay. Go back. Let's go chat. Kim. Um, Kim, Kim Brennan. Brennan. Six oh, okay. twenty-six. Oh wow! Yeah, she's super strong. And Emma, actually, Emma Twig is six twenty-nine. So she's also lit. Yeah. So hold on. It's it's Kim. It's Kim six twenty-six. Emma Twig six twenty-nine. Kath Granger six thirty, and then fourth Sunita, and then fifth Kerry. Oh wow! Thank Kerry. Yeah, you're only one second behind Sunita, so you can definitely get that. Another yeah. <laughs> one. <laughs> I was yeah. quite over my break. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, so yeah, I think that um that you know that wraps up our you know on interview. It was great chatting to you guys again. Um just getting updates on how everything has gone. When we chatted to you last, you know, you guys were on your way up and now it's just amazing. I mean, you can literally say you are the best in the world at the mm. moment, which is, is quite incredible. So, yeah, just a huge thanks for, for coming on the show and giving us a big chunk of your time. And is there anything you want to shout out to to anyone or any of your supporters or, or anything you want to say? Yeah, thanks for having us. Like, We love coming on the show and we love listening to all, all your other episodes as well. Um but yeah, I think it's, I think just to our overall New Zealand team, I guess, um, like being down here, stuck down here, not being able to race internationally, I feel like that's the competition that sort of got us across the line. And as we talked about earlier, to see people like Emma Twig finally coming away with I, the gold medal, I feel like she's deserved for so long, um, is really cool. And just to be a part of a team, seeing people sort of get those results and all the hard work that goes into it is really cool and just a, like an exciting time for rowing here and rowing across the world really yeah it's so true and you guys are inspiration to to so many athletes out there so yeah mm. huge thanks thanks so much <laughs> thanks for thanks for your time guys and uh yeah we'll we'll see you around and uh catch up some other time cool so that is a wrap for Kerry and grace part two olympic champions olympic silver medalists greatest rowers greatest female rowers at this current point of time yes definitely and i think you know it's greatest female rowers greatest rowers at this kind of current point of time definitely oh, i, I don't want to step on your toes there about hamish you know, I know you've got no i would say you know as an individual like as an individual rower considering the whole of his career then i would say hamish is probably the best but i think at the moment in the world the best um, two rowers at this point is definitely Grace and Kerry, you know, with getting that, that, that double medal and doubling up without a doubt. So, you know, fantastic. Awesome interview. And I think, you know, we just had a 
really good uh, conversation about um, about the rowing, about the experiences, and uh, yeah, I think uh, you know you guys. I'm sure you guys love that, and of course, you know we were we've said a lot of things. So I'm interested to hear about what the listeners thought about the episode. Really want to hear about you know um, you know we've been we've been talking about the eight, and the eight's always a, a great boat to talk about. There's so many different moving parts in there, and we're really excited to hear what the listeners thought about um, this episode. And if you have any questions on what you think we missed out or any of the uh, um, statements that the opinions that we've been making about them being the best it would be great to hear from you yeah for sure let us know guys get uh dig in and 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 get hold of us and and let us know what you what you think uh the one thing that i'm actually really upset that we didn't speak about was you know because we obviously we've done the quick fire questions before so we didn't go into the one and you know the one uh if you choose three people to to row in your your four with who would you choose and i actually want to ask i wanted to tell them that literally nearly every girl, the other uh, female that we've had on the show, has chosen them in their mm. in their four, which is really yeah. really cool. So I'm meant to to mention it to them, but I'll, I'll have to just drop them. We'll drop them a message and uh, and let them know that they are number one pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the for the fantasy uh, four lineup. So yeah, I mean, what an awesome episode! Though. I absolutely loved it, and what legends mm. of the sport, you know, real icons. Um, cool I think that's enough thanks guys share the show let more people know about us awesome catch you catch you guys next time on the flip side ciao we're out I lost my question. I had such a good one. So Kerry, you know, I, you know, I look at, I, with the placement regarding the placement of, I do want to know what kind of like the, the, the idea was putting you there. Cause you know, if you look in the, um, the, uh, the 